have this bar that's green when you start out. If you spend half of it, half of that block will be green because you've spent half of your money. And as it gets closer to that right side of the page, it begins to turn orange. And then eventually if you go over, it turns red. And I like that because, hey, it tells you, you've gone over, you're red. You don't have any money in that category. That's right. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so that you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We're your hosts, David Thompson and Leo Sabo, and in this episode of Getting Money Right, we're going to be talking about the budgeting software Mint.com. Now, as far as Mint.com goes, it is owned by Intuit, and Intuit also has TurboTax and QuickBooks, and QuickBooks is for small businesses and large businesses. So they have a suite of softwares, and Mint.com is for personal budgeting and personal finances. So we're going to see if Mint.com gives you the ability to fully follow the four principles of a budget that we've been talking about And we're going to discuss if this is something that we would recommend using. So Leo, quickly give us the four principles of a budget so we know what kind of the criteria is. Yeah. So the four principles of a budget are one, assign every dollar. And this is doing it ahead of time so that you're creating that zero-based budget. You're taking every dollar, assigning it to the purpose that you want for that money. Number two, arrange every expense. And this is about having some categories where you categorize your money in main categories like housing, transportation, and then some subcategories like rent, electricity, insurance, those kind of things. Third, you allocate it evenly because this gives you the ability to take any surpluses or deficits and roll them over. This is a yearly budget. In some months you spend more, some months less, but you're averaging some expenses. So you wanna make sure that, that you are able to allocate that evenly. Plus, when you have expenses that are not happening every month, you may need to put money aside for six months and then have that money available. So it's easier to set it up so that every month you're assigning money to every expense that you have, regardless of how often it happens. And then fourth, adjust as necessary. This is about tracking your expenses to the degree where you can see, is this plan actually working for me? I've decided to spend this much. I'm spending this much. Am I on track? And that gives me the ability then to make the adjustments so that I'm spending on purpose and spending within my plan. That's right. So assign every dollar, arrange every expense, allocate it evenly, and then adjust as necessary. That's going to be our rubric to see if mint.com allows us to do that. And if it does that in a very user-friendly way. So uh, first and foremost, we had done a survey where we polled a bunch of different people asking what tools they use. And Excel was the most used tool. Then tied for second was YNAB and every dollar. Mm-hmm. So we did our last couple episodes on YNAB and every dollar and using an Excel sheet. And then now the third place was mint.com. It was the third most used app when we polled people that people were using. So let's look at mint. Let's talk about mint today. Uh, Now, when I went in and created a mint account for the first time, and Leo and I spent several hours in Mm. the software (laughs) before doing this episode, we we spent hours and hours building it out, looking at it. Leo already had an account. He'll share some of that. But the first thing that it asks you to do when you create an account or when you create a mint.com account is to then link all of your bank accounts and your credit cards and your mortgage and your financial investment accounts. Right. 
and it requires you to do that before you can move forward. Mm-hmm. Like I, I tried to click around it. Like, no, I just want to go to the budget tool. No, I just want to go to the budget tool. No, no, it will not let you start until you have linked your Chase, Discover, Wells Fargo, American Express, U.S. Bank. It even lets you, you know, link your Netflix account, uh, you know, PayPal, all, all sorts of different stuff. Because the way that it works is it pulls information from all of these accounts. Uh, now, if I'm first starting out in budgeting, that, that makes me a little bit nervous to link all of my accounts into a software that I've never played with. And I'm giving it all my information before I've even built a budget for the first time. So that was a little bit intimidating for me. I know that the way that, that budgeting softwares work now and the way that their security is set up with these institutions, it's fairly safe to do this. But it was, it was a moment of hesitation for me yeah. uh, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it walks you through this nice tutorial. And the tutorial is simple. It just kind of shows you the features of it. You can set up alerts so that if you're about to miss a payment, mm-hmm. uh, it'll alert you and say, hey, your credit card is due this week. That's right. good to know. That's helpful. Yes. Um, it lets you see your bills and when they're due. So you know, when I think about what day my credit card bill may be due, I don't always think of that day. So it's there on the interface. And that's kind of helpful just to see, oh, yeah. on the 15th, I need to be aware of this, especially if you have four or five bills that are due. It lets you know the exact day, which is helpful when you're budgeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, then it will review Mint's suggestions for your finances. And this is going to actually point you to some of their services that they're going to try to sell. Uh, but it'll also give you some helpful ideas of setting up goals and things. Then you can connect your credit score for free. Mm -hmm. Again, they're connecting more information. They're getting your information connected to your credit score so they can offer you credit cards in the future. Then it lets you create a budget. Okay, now think about that. That's step five (laughs) out of the first. uh, There's nine total steps that it walks you through. Budgeting isn't until step five. That tells me that this is not a budgeting software. (laughs) That (laughs) That, would be my assessment as well. Yes, that that now budgeting is like fifth on their list of things to do. Mm -hmm. Instead of starting your financial plan, assigning every dollar, creating and, you know, assigning out into categories and arranging it into categories, all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 that's that's fifth on the list. Mm -hmm. So that be aware of that. Then it lets you set goals. Then it lets you connect your investment accounts. Again, it's trying to get you to connect accounts. Then it offers you some ways to save. Mm -hmm. And that really is just a marketing platform right Right. there. It's literally like, hey, switch to a new credit card, which you would open a credit card through them. So they would get paid for that. Or here, open up a new loan or use this investment app. And and then you they get a, a like a little residual income for you signing up through them. It's not a bad thing. The neat thing about Mint is that it's free. But then it's going to advertise to you like crazy. Yeah. Um, and then it's got some neat graphics and charts. So when the tutorial is done, the first thing that I see is it drops you on a landing page with a large, for me, it was a large banner for life insurance. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I'm seeing is an ad of, hey, buy life insurance. I went ahead and clicked on it. It was simple and intuitive. If I had wanted to purchase, it offered some expert recommended advice of 10 to 15 times your annual income and making sure that if you buy term insurance, that you buy it for at least the length of your longest debt. So it was it was good um, if you're going to make a purchase through them. It was set up well. Mm-hmm. But the first thing they want you to do is make a purchase through them. Yeah. Uh, then when I went to track expenses, I saw an ad for Acorns, the investing app. Mm-hmm. Then when I went to create a budget, it showed me an ad for uh, Stash, the savings and investing app. And then when I looked at my overview page, it showed me an ad for TurboTax. Right. So... Just be aware the software is free, but you're going to get ads 
on almost every page. Yeah, that's how they make their money is through recommending all these different type of services and accounts. And of course, they have an affiliate type of program where every time you link from their website to buy car insurance, to buy life insurance, to buy whatever, open up an investment account, they're going to get paid some form of a fee for recommending that service to you. You know, it's understandable. That's how they make yeah. their money. If that's not something you like to see while you're trying to manage your money, it's going to get annoying very fast. Yeah. It's similar to Credit Karma, though. So if you think, hey, it's not a big deal. It's off to the side. It doesn't block my view. I don't care. Then I think it's a it's a nice free right. service right. that you get. Plus, I do like the idea of having everything in one place. Yes, there's some security there that you always wonder, well, what if anybody got into my stuff now? They can log into every other account. So there is a security problem there, but it's been around for a long time, so I don't see it as a problem right. any more than you know our credit score being you know accessible to everybody else. So technically, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's no worse than Experian or Equifax <laughs> yes. or you know. So, At least yeah. they haven't had that big breach right, like some right. of these other ones have had. So again, it's one of those things where it's like this is the world we live in. Our information's out there. Hopefully, it's protected. It's encrypted, and they're not getting to our account. I do, however, like the idea of having a budget that is separate from my checking and savings and credit card accounts, where when I log into my budget or I open my budget app, it doesn't automatically log into all my bank accounts. That feature, not crazy about it, just because it's just one level of security that it's just not necessary for me. I'd rather just download the transactions manually and have that self-control of it, but some people don't. So again, it's, it's geared toward making this as seamless as possible, as easy as possible to get that information in one place. And it does do that. So we're going to go into some pros and cons, but I do want to kind of give you the the foreshadowing that this really doesn't feel like it's exactly a budgeting tool and budgeting software. It feels like it's more of an overall view of your finances with a clunky budgeting tool inserted into it. And so as we go through and share pros and cons, it may even feel a little clunky in the way that we share it because Leo and I, as we were spending hours walking through this thing and I was like, Hey, I don't like how this works or I like how this works, but this is confusing. Mm -hmm. So we're going to share some of that with you. Um, but it may feel like, Hey, that, that came out of left field. It's because when you're trying to operate the software, it feels like things come out of left field. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just, it's very confusing. And one of the biggest thing is when you, like you said, when you started your own budget, I just logged into mine and it had been some time since I logged into mine. So it didn't have any transactions imported from months ago. But when I logged in, it downloaded three months worth of expenses from my credit card and my checking accounts. So that's all, overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. So all of a sudden I've got probably hundreds of transactions or at least a couple of hundred and it automatically assigns them, which is one of the biggest don't do that to me kind of things because I totally hate that because it totally takes the control out of it. Now I have to go back through each transaction and correct it. Here's the other problem. It just shows me a list of all my transactions, whether they're credit card, whether they're a checking account, it doesn't make a distinction. And then as it goes through each one, there's no way for me to know if I've actually addressed that one. You know what I mean? Like with YNAB, Absolutely. with YNAB, it puts the transactions that are recently downloaded, it puts them in a bold type. So you can tell the difference between the ones that have been approved and the ones that still need to be approved. Plus, you have to approve it, otherwise it doesn't record it. It, it shows that it hasn't been cleared, right. right? So it's very easy to tell what transactions have been imported, have been accounted for, and what haven't. 
This does not do that. In fact, because it assigns everything, if it doesn't recognize or if you don't have a category for a specific expense, it just puts it in a category at the bottom based on what they think it is. Yeah, it creates a category for you that might not actually fit right. your personal finances. And the default category is shopping, <laughs> which I totally hate. Like, I hate that word, period. But it's shopping. Everything's shopping. If you go to Walmart, it's shopping. If you go to Amazon, it's shopping. Kroger, shopping. Everything's shopping. You pay your mortgage, it's shopping. <laughs> exactly. So you literally have to go back and undo all of this. But there's not a clear, easy way to say, okay, I am halfway down my list, I can tell right. what I've already assigned or reassigned and what I haven't reassigned. So it's very clunky in that sense. And and I was totally like confused by that because I kept going back and saying, all right, I assigned this to, let's say, clothing, but how do I know if it's actually taken? So I had to go back to the budget page, look at and see if it reflected in there. Well, if I had to do that with every single transaction and maybe I missed one, I wouldn't even know that I missed it. Right. It's it's really, really poor in that sense. And when I went to create my budget on the tool for the first time, it had already downloaded all of my transactions and already created half of my budget for me, mm -hmm. but not in categories that I would have chosen, yep. not fully accurately tracked, and it didn't actually create a budget, it just showed me what I had spent already, and then I had to go in and create a plan on top of that. So I have to go and change everything. And, and it did that for me, which mm -hmm. means I'm not creating my budget. I'm trying to play catch up now, yes. which was so difficult. And, and I mean, I just got tired of it. Like I stopped doing it after a while because yeah. I was like, I have to figure out what this transaction was and I've got to assign it. And just like Leo said, let's say you assign a transaction that has been automatically pulled from your bank. Will you assign it? But there's no indication that it's already been assigned. Yeah. And so I may be scrolling through that list and think, wait, did I already assign this one? Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. I, I, I don't, I'm not gonna say I like budgeting, but I enjoy this. Like this is, this is interesting to me. And mm -hmm. I struggled with yeah. the mint.com. To stick with it. Yeah. I yeah. struggled with yeah. it. I was like, wow, this isn't fun for me. In fact, it's difficult for me. And yeah. you would have to be, it would almost be like, if this was your first budgeting experience ever, and you were fully committed to learning this software and this process, it could work. But if you already have a plan in place, you've already built a budget before, and you're trying to import and bring in some some past thinking into this platform, no, you have to do their categories their way, and you've got to learn it from scratch inside of this. And yeah. that was very difficult yeah. to do for me. Well, I definitely think that we're probably already communicating the fact that we're not crazy about this app. <laughs> so let's just stick to the pros and cons yep. list so that we can cover most of this. Because again, we're not necessarily saying don't use this. We'll let you make that decision. Yeah, absolutely. Because it may be something that you could use for certain things and maybe not use it for a budget. Uh, some of the comments, David, that you received through the informal survey was that some people was using it for the fact that it could gather all that information, all yes. their accounts, their investments, their the value of their home, everything is in one place. And I do honestly like that, but how often do I use it? Not very often, and, and certainly not on a daily basis when I'm trying to manage my budget. It's really not attached to my budget in that way. So let's just go through some of the pros and cons and, and we'll let you guys decide whether this is something that you wanna use. That's right, so one of the pros is that it pulls expenses from your bank and it pulls your bank account info for free. Right. If you wanna use YNAB, which does that, you have to pay for YNAB. Yep. If you wanna do every dollar, you can track on your own for free, but in order to get your expenses pulled from your bank, you have to pay the premium price. Yes. And so this is a free tool and, and I like things that are free. So, you know, if I were a you know, broke college kid starting out, 
I might start here yeah. and I may learn with the software and it may be a great tool to learn and grow with. So mm -hmm. I, anybody that's using it, I don't want to downplay that, yeah. but it, for starting out for me, it was difficult. So I love though that it, it does it for free. You can download it. Um, everything, everything is, is there in one page that you can look at your investment accounts, your mortgage, your overall bank accounts, your credit score. Um, but then the actual budget does get a little clunky when you try to get into that tab. Yeah. Uh, overall, it's a decent ecosystem because it has good blogs. Uh, it allows you to access your credit score. It does give you good educational tools. So yes. the ecosystem of Mint, if you decide to fully invest your time and energy into it, it could be a good overall resource. Uh, that is a pro. One of the other things that I think is a pro is that when you're creating a specific category, you do have the ability to check off a box that says that each month you want this amount to be reflected. So you start each new month with the previous month's leftover amount, which means you can carry things over. You can also, if you set aside, let's say $150 for eating out, that will transfer to next month also. Now, if you make changes to it, that's gonna be a con because if you make a change, let's say you move money from one area into eating out. Let's say you go over and you want to increase it by $50 and you move it from clothing. Well, now that $200 is what next month's going to reflect as the beginning balance. So there's some cons to that, but I do like the fact that it does roll over. To me, that's a huge thing yeah. because I do average, and I think 90%, as we discussed in the last episode, 90% of the categories should be managed as funds because they do roll over from month to month, sometimes positive, sometimes negative, and that's a really, really useful feature in a budget. Right. And and it's nice that when you create a category, it gives you that option right there. Mm -hmm. Do you want leftover money to roll over into next month? And yep. you check that box. The answer is yes. With your mortgage, you're probably going to, or rent, you're going to have the same payment every month. So mm -hmm. you're not going to roll something over, but with clothing and maybe with some medical expenses and car repairs and yep. a number of different things. So that was something that in the every dollar app from Dave Ramsey, you had to create it as a specific fund. Yeah. You had to change the name of it to a fund. This is just a simple checkbox that's asked right when you start it. So mm -hmm. we enjoyed that. That was yep. a great prep. Yep. I also like the visual indicator that they use. They have this green, orange, red system throughout, whether it's when you're paying your bills, when they're due, to the budgeting actual categories. You have this bar that's green when you start out. If you spend half of it, half of that block will be green because you've spent half of your money. And as it gets closer to that right side of the page, it begins to turn orange. And then eventually if you go over, it turns red. And I like that because, hey, it tells you, you've gone over, you're red. You don't have any money in that category. That's right. And for some of us, that's a really important thing. It's different when you have a number and all of a sudden you plug the information in and it's negative. Well, it's too late. But if you see that green bar moving closer and closer to the edge, you're thinking, okay, I'm running out of money. So I think that's a really useful tool from a visual perspective because some people, especially as they first start managing money, that visual can help them to pull back and say, oh, okay, I'm getting close to the end of my budget for that category. And I think that's a really useful tool. That's right. Ashley and I have about $500 a month in our grocery category. And let's say we spend 150, you know, the first week of the month and then 150 the second week of the month it'll show, hey, you've spent 300 out of 500 and you're still in the green. It's mm -hmm, okay. Mm -hmm. But when you get to 400, 450, it tor turns orange. And yep. then if you go over 500, you it shows you. So yep. you have that indicator as you're going. 
very helpful. I also like that it allows you to split your transactions yeah. when you're tracking. This is a question that I get all the time if somebody goes to Walmart and they say, hey, I bought some clothes at Walmart and I bought some groceries at Walmart. Can I split that into two different, like it's one transaction, mm-hmm. but can I track it in two different categories? Yes. And this allows you to do that. Uh, it allows you to do it with Amazon, with any tracking that comes in. And you could change the category when it when it learns. It learns as it goes. It pulls all the information from your bank. It calls it all shopping. But then let's say that you have uh, maybe you go to a place called home cooking. Mm-hmm. Well, it may think home cooking is a home expense, but it's really a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Well, you can click this is a restaurant. And then you can click, remember that this vendor is always a restaurant. Right. So in the future, you won't have as many clicks to do. It should track a little bit more uh, instantaneously for you. You're always going to have to go and check because of the auto tracking that it does, but it will let you split it up and it will let you set those categories to continue moving forward. Yeah. It is designed to learn so that, again, because they're automatically importing this transaction and assigning to categories, they want to make sure that they're more accurate so that you're happy with the software. However, there is some extra steps you have to take. So unless you're consistently charging to the same place, and if you are charging the same place, if you go to Walmart, but, but spend in different areas of your budget at Walmart, then it's not going to know. Walmart is Walmart. You can't say one day Walmart is food and another day it's prescriptions. Well, no, you'll have to go back and make that. So I think there's some manual adjustments there. Mm -hmm. But honestly, it's not much different than would be in another app that has the same function. So you have to assign these categories. It's small work and it's a small amount of time if you do it daily or at least every couple of days. If you do it once a week, it might be a little bit more work that you want to sign up for. That's right. Now, one thing that's really cool is that, you know, usually when you spend on your credit card, it doesn't clear your bank right away. It goes into a pending category. And most softwares do not track the pending expenses. Mm -hmm. This software recognizes that the expense is pending and it will put it into your budget and say, hey, you you swiped your credit card today. Do you want to assign this? Mm-hmm. And I love that because yep. I hate when you have to wait two or three days for a pending expense to clear before you can track it in your budget. Right. I want to be able to track that right away. Mm-hmm. So that's just a really cool feature. Um, huge props to Mint for putting that in. Another great feature that I really like is the goals feature. There's a specific area where you can set up goals. Now, when you set up the goal, it actually creates that goal and puts it at the bottom of your category list in your budget. So you can do things like paying off debt, saving for a vacation, a car replacement fund. And this is a really nice option because it allows you to see your progress. The other thing that it does is it tells you how much you're saving in interest. So for instance, if you're trying to pay off debt, you can take and plug in, hey, I want to put $150 per month toward this, even though the minimum payment, is, let's say, is only 60 So now I'm making a $150 payment. It'll tell you how much you're going to save in interest because you're making the extra payment. Mm-hmm. It'll also tell you the payoff date. So that's really nice. You can say, hey, in two years, I'll be completely paid off with this credit card. So I like that a lot. It's customizable, which means that you can change the amount and adjusts, and it automatically adjusts the pay date and the interest you save. So you can kind of play around with it, which is a really cool feature. David and I also talked about this potentially being a great tool to use as a debt snowball. Now, you'd have to probably take the budget completely out of it and just use it as that, which you can. You can create a separate account and just plug in your accounts for your credit cards that you want to pay off. But then you can set up those goals and you can track each one of them. So I think it's 
potentially a great tool Yeah, because it gives you all of that information and you can track it a month to month because all those transactions, as you pay things off, it'll reset the balances and it'd be a really nice thing to be able to see. We have found that this tool may be a better use for not <laughs> yeah. budgeting, yeah. but for your net worth and for your overall financial picture and maybe if you're just doing a debt snowball, mm -hmm. but the actual budgeting feature actually adds more confusion to it. Yeah. So why not use it for the other features? And, and we need to test it. But I can imagine how nice it would be for you to connect all your credit cards, all your loans, your car loan, your student loan to this to this mint.com mm -hmm. and allow it to show exactly what your balance is, show exactly what you've paid each month. Yep. And then if you have an extra $200 a month to put on top of the smallest one, it will show you how much more quickly you'll pay off that smallest debt. Yeah. And, and the numbers are very clean, very clear. And so I'm thinking I could see this as a debt snowball tool. And if I introduce somebody to it, I would say just link your credit cards. Don't link anything else. Mm -hmm. And don't use the budget tool. Only use the debt feature or yeah. your credit and your debt feature. And don't continue to use your credit cards because that'll mess things up. Yeah, don't use your credit cards. Because <laughs> so, it'll download those transactions, not just the payments but every transaction you yes. make. So in that sense, it would confuse things. But I do love that that goals feature because, again, it gives you a visual. It gives you the ability to play with the numbers, which I really love. I mean, what motivates me when I'm trying to pay off debt is when I can see the progress I'm making and I can plug in an extra $100 and see how that's going to affect the interest I'm saving and the time that it takes me to pay it off. So I believe that's very motivational and something that could be very useful. All right, let's go through some of the cons. Yeah, okay. So uh, I do just want to reiterate and just very short and quick, it starts out by putting all your transactions in for you. Mm -hmm. And so if you're trying to create a budget, you feel like you're already behind and you're having to learn the nuance of the software before you've even created your plan. Right. And that can be overwhelming. That was a huge con for me. Uh, it's also difficult to move money from one category to another. Mm-hmm. You can do it, but then you have to manually adjust that category that month and you've got to manually adjust the category the next month yes. back to the yes. original plan. To me, that is not good because you may adjust it and and not remember to go back. Let's say you, you spend $150 in clothing, but your actual budget is $100. Well, if you don't remember to change it back to 100 the following month, you're like, oh, I've got 150 bucks again. This is great. And it actually has taught you to overspend every month instead of teaching you to stay to a plan. Yep. So that was killer. Yep. yep. And the thing that we both recognize as we're doing the research on this app is that it doesn't really feel like they're expecting people to really budget very well. I think they want you to have an idea of where your money is going. In fact, I remember the early days of Mint that you couldn't even adjust the categories. You had to go with whatever they put in place. So it was kind of based on this idea of if you look at it and you have these green to orange to red, then you'll stop spending or you know your shopping will go down and you'll just manage your money better. I think all the other features that they've put in place that are really great, like the goal setting, the debt payoff, having all your accounts in one place, I think they focused on that because that gives you a sense of, understanding your overall picture and maybe that's their focus but budgeting as i said it's kind of down the road you said it david like the fifth option and if you look at their menu bar at the top budget is like down the to the right it's not the first thing overview mm -hmm. is the first thing and even on your phone app which it does have a phone app in the phone app you have to scroll all the way down to the bottom of the overview page it does not have a button for the budget itself right so it's almost like it's an afterthought it is it feels like an afterthought even in the way 
you operate it, the clunkiness of it, and the you know the, how you have to manipulate it and make it do what you want it to do, it just feels like they're saying, yeah, we'll we'll throw the budget in there for free, right? But it's really not something we really care about. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, like they haven't put enough personalization into it for me to be able to use it to the full extent that I need to use it, especially as I think of these four principles that I want to operate my budget by. So it feels like it's an afterthought. I think most people will agree to that. Well, and that's because their their best sales technique is to show you your overall finances mm -hmm. and then to encourage you to open up a brokerage account through yeah. them to start yeah. investing or to show you your credit score and offer you a new loan. That's where they make their money. Whereas every dollar and YNAB, they make their money from helping you to budget. Mm -hmm. So everything about those platforms is how can I help you budget have that. a good budgeting <laughs> yeah, experience no and no learn doubt. to budget and manage your money. And so I'd say if you're learning to budget and learning to manage money, go to YNAB, go to every dollar or use Excel and, and build it and learn on your own. But but I would say that if you just want that overview, okay, come on over and look at mint.com. But Mint makes their money on the overview. They don't make their money on the budget. Mm -hmm. So they have no motivation to improve the budget. It feels older. It's easy to get stuck. You can't move categories once they've been created. Yeah. You can't create new main categories. You have to use their main categories. Mm -hmm. And if they have already created a subcategory inside of that, you can't create that subcategory somewhere else. Right. So they put clothing in shopping, which Leo and I hate a shopping category. That just for that for our budgeting minds, that doesn't make sense. Like it, you don't want to have a oh shopping category. I just go shopping. It, so, but they've put clothing there. And yeah. so that means that you can't put clothing somewhere else. You can't mm -hmm. put it under personal spending. You can't put it under miscellaneous. Yeah, you, you can't, can't create it, it, period. You can't create it. You it's can't. Crazy. Not as a subcategory, not as a main category. Right. So it does limit you. One of the frustrating things for somebody who's already created a budget or has run a budget in some way, whether it's Excel or another app, is that they're trying to figure out how does this work with what I already know. And I think for most veterans that are moving from one app trying to find something that works better, this is going to be a huge disappointment. And they're going to get frustrated and stop using it because there's just too much limitation to it. That's right. So, Leo, let's go through the four principles of a budget one more time. And let's see if Mint.com fits the four principles of a budget. Mm -hmm. And then we'll share a recommendation. Yep. Yep. So, one, assign every dollar. In essence, yes, you can assign every dollar they make it very difficult because they have you start with transactions first rather than creating categories first. And therefore, assigning the money you have coming in every month right. to those categories and allocating it uh, each month. So you can do it. It's just, it's a lot harder. You're working backwards. You're right. having to go back and say, I've already spent this money. Now I have to categorize it. And as we know, in a zero-based budget, you need to do that ahead of time so that you're on top of it. Now, once you create it, I think you can make it work. Mm -hmm. So yes, it does pass the test. You can assign every dollar, but it, it makes it really hard at the beginning to start. Yeah, because in parentheses, where we say assign every dollar, we say ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. And this will not let you do that ahead of time the first time. But once you've built everything in the future, everything is assigned ahead of time. So it's a yes and no proposition. Yep. It's a yes, technically, but it's a no when you start. And that's tough. Yep. So the second one is arrange every expense. And yes, you can arrange every expense because you can put everything in categories. The downside is you can't use the categories that we use, which means, and the reason we use the ones we use is because we do have the spending guideline that you can get from leosabo.com 
that shows what successful families were making different types of incomes and different family sizes, what they were spending in each one of these areas. So if you're trying to use that as a way to start off your budget on a better solid foundation, you're not going to be able to use it because the categories don't match that. So from that perspective, you can arrange it. It's just, again, very clunky. You can't move things around. You can't make the categories what you want. So you have to just kind of conform to whatever they've created. That's right. So then can you allocate it evenly? And that means that when there's overspending each month, does it carry over? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, if you overspend or underspend in a category, it carries over and, and it gives you that checkbox yes. that we really like. So you can allocate over a long period of time. I, I wish it gave you a year long view. That's one frustration is it only shows you the current month you're in. You can't project forward at all, mm -hmm. but it is nice that you check that box. It's very simple. It's easy to use. And then it's just like an envelope system. You got $100, the next month you have $200, the next mm -hmm. month you have $300. Mm -hmm. And if you overspend, then the next month it says, hey, you have less this month to spend. So that's a, that's a big check mark in the mint.com. You can allocate it evenly. And then last, adjust as necessary. Yes, we believe that the tracking obviously is there. They're automatically importing all of your transactions. So that's a very nice feature because it's intuitive, it's easy. You don't have to log into anything. You don't have to do any of that but it's clunkier than most other apps and it doesn't match the categories well. So it creates a lot more work than I think you really should have. And part of budgeting is that you want to make it quick. You want to make it easy to yep. do and somewhat even fun to see the, how it's all working mm -hmm. together. And if you're using something that's frustrating to use or you're not sure where you're at or it creates all kinds of other additional tasks, that could be a, a real detriment to you sticking with it. That's yeah. the hardest part that I have when I'm trying to coach someone is having them track expenses. So if we don't make it easy, the chance of them doing it are almost nil. Yeah, I would say that one of the most important things about budgeting is if you're married to do it in unity with your spouse. And I can tell you that if I tried to use this budgeting tool with Ashley, mm. it would it would not work for her. Because when I gave her my budget for the first time, it was like, no, 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 that's your budget. We need to create a plan together. And this would not allow you to create a plan together. You're forced to use mint.com's budget and their categories and it's yeah. confusing and it, and it doesn't look aesthetically pleasing. And so it just can be very difficult. So overall, would we recommend this as your budgeting software? I'd say no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're just trying to be honest. Like, right. Can it, can it help you to do these things? Well, we just said that it does pass the four, mm -hmm. the, the test of the four principles of a budget. However, it's very difficult to accomplish that. And I think that there are better options out there. So it's not that you can't use Mint. I think you just have to try it. Maybe it's intuitive for you. Maybe it's something sure. that just makes sense to you. So as we said before, every budget, every plan, every app, it just depends on what you like and how it fits you. So try it. Oh, at, sure. least, at least play with it and see if it's something that you could benefit. But again, there are some great features that I really, really love. But to me, a budgeting app should be about budgeting. And mm -hmm. This is not that, yeah. in my opinion. It's uh, an afterthought. And because it's been around as long as it's been, I find it shocking that, one, I don't have the ability to create my own categories, uh, my own main categories, that I have to stick with theirs, and that I can't move things around to make it look like in a way that makes sense to my brain. And that that's a big detriment to me ever sticking with something like this. So that's I right. wouldn't use it. But again, I do love many parts of it. It's just, we're talking about budgets and right. this, isn't, this isn't a budget in my opinion. And when we looked at the amount of people using Mint versus our other softwares mm -hmm. that, that people just put in and said they were using, 
uh, in our survey, this is from a couple of weeks ago. It's been updated. I haven't calculated all the numbers yet, but from 142 people, 12 were using mint. Mm. So less than 10%. I mean, yeah, it's actually about 8%. Yeah. So, and then on, from those, many of those people actually said, I use mint and, and every dollar or <laughs> yeah. I use mint and Excel. And so I yeah. think that a lot of people are not actually budgeting in mint. They just, when they think of their personal finances, they think to mint because yeah. it's got all their info in it but they're not actually tracking. They're not actually using it day to day. That's my, that's my initial assumption. Yep. Um, 64 had used Excel, 19 and 19 had used YNAB and every dollar. And so I would say when it comes to actual budgeting, this just, it falls short in a few areas. Yeah, no doubt. And again, it's, it's a, it's a great tool for some things, but there are better options out there for budgeting. And uh, we hope at least the overview we've given you, somewhat slanted, of course, because we are budget guys and we're going to approach it from that perspective and tell you what we think about it. But we're not saying don't try it. We're just saying here's what we believe about the actual budget feature. Everything else yeah. is really, really cool. Uh, but the budget feature falls way short. And if you're using it, keep using it. If it's working for you, yeah. oh, keep letting it work for you. That's yeah. great. We do not want to say, oh, you should stop using it. No, no. What it, use the tool that works for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we want to thank you for joining us for this episode. If you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast so more people will find the podcast and benefit from it. You can also share this podcast on your favorite social media platform. And while you're there, connect with us. Let us know how we might serve you better, what topics or information you want us to focus on and we'd love to do that for you you can also find the show notes to this episode more content and resources at leosabo.com and you can go to stewardshippastors.com david's website where he is feverishly working on writing a book it's called jesus on money and love for you to pick up a copy of that pre-order it you can do that on his website he also has a bunch of videos and resources and these are great resources that whether you're a spiritual leader or just know someone that's a spiritual leader, that you can point them to this website where they can find more information on how to lead their people in this area of money and possessions and how to teach it from a biblical perspective. So I think it's a great resource that someone in your life could benefit from. So please check that out. Well, again, we want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Getting Money Right, and we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money, money right. right. And when we looked at the amount of people using Mint versus our other softwares that, that people just put in and said they were using, from 142 people, 12 were using Mint. Mm.